Hey, everybody. I'm Gatherer Alecki. Alecki, please. It is the elder's job to say, previously on Story Jazz Oturo. So last time, Small Big River Village's population was on the way north to Long Big River Village and then walked right into another rain. And at the same time, Oturo and Bellop and um, Artis are out there somewhere doing river knows what. Well, you don't know this, Aleki, uh, but I've communed with the greater spirits and I found out what they're up to. <laughs> so Oturo and uh, our young Bellop went and discovered Artis and proceeded to flee from uh, the great elder of Long Big River Village, whose name I can't remember. Bosco. It was Bosco. Bosco, right. The greater spirit of podcasting came up with that one on the spot, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, and um, and so while our, our two younglings and our elder of teaching fled from the three goons, Oturo was badly injured, but the two younglings made it north, out of the basin and into the mountains, where they discovered the first of what we will presume to be many stone people. Now, Oturo's fate is kind of still up in the air. Well, actually, it's on the ground. It's He's, he's hiding in the reeds. Yeah, sure, but we don't know what's going to happen to him. You're right, Alecky. And meanwhile, we of Small Big River Village will be trying to integrate into Long Big River Village. But the catch is, we have to abide to all of their weird, like, rules and stuff. Yes, it, it, it seems like my old friend Bosco has gotten some ideas of, of hierarchy in, in his head. I, he presumes to blame it upon the stone people, but I'm suspicious. I guess we'll find out how that goes in this episode of Story Jazz Oturo, which, by the way, we could have named after a more important character, I think. Aleki. Yeah. No. <clears throat> when you're an elder, Aleki, we'll have Story Jazz Aleki. But for now, welcome back to Story Jazz Oturo. Hey everybody, welcome back to Story Jazz, an improvised narrative podcast with your hosts, Softy and Sam. Uh, we are sitting here in our little booths, separated by the Atlantic Ocean as usual, and also locked inside because of this pandemic. But we are storytellers, and we shall tell now the stories of which we speak. We shall persevere. Yes. We shall escape into fictional narratives in order to feel better. And we hope you'll join us on this last uh, escape into the world of Oturo. But where, before we escape, oh, oh. where uh, <laughs> technology has not yet corrupted mankind. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Go ahead. Uh, yes, but, but, but before we escape, and while while we're still in the realm where technology has corrupted mankind, I'd like to take a brief, do uh, a brief moment to discuss something I think is important. Um, oh boy, we as. Uh, don't oh boy me this is we're getting political again we're getting political again oh gosh um okay we as storytellers don't subscribe to this notion that there is a linear eurocentric development where uh some cultures are more advanced than other cultures by virtue of their technology we don't subscribe to that um we don't subscribe to mm, adam smith's four stages of economic development we we're not saying by any means that Small Big River Village is behind somehow compared to the Stone People. There are different different people with uh, different values and equally valuable in the grand spectrum of things. And so we don't pretend to assign greater meaning or, or say that yeah. one culture is superior to the other because that's uh, of a colonial mindset. We don't support that. So I don't know. I would just, just put that out there into the universe. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for making that clear. All that said, I think it's still really interesting to look at that conflict and 
to to create that conflict and and talk about these different cultures, different values, different technologies that they've developed and create the story from a hopefully somewhat neutral standpoint and and allow that to be something that is discussed through narrative. Exactly. Uh, so if you'll bear with us, let's see if today we can finish Otura. Do you want to do you want to take us in? Yeah, I think I have an opening scene. Here we go. Into the final chapter of Story Jazz Oturo. <laughs> For the first time in hours, Matula hears a bird. <laughs> it's been raining ever since they arrived at Long Big River Village. And that bird apparently just won't shut up. <laughs> um, now the rain has stopped and um, apparently there's chickens here too. Uh, now that the rain has stopped and the acrid odor has left everybody's noses, people are slowly shuffling out of their homes in Long Big River Village and starting to continue their work. Building more wooden huts, expanding, um, building wood coverings over little areas of tilled soil. But most importantly, they're collecting reeds to reclothe themselves. Now, yes, this is what the people of Small Big River Village are doing. Matula has already acquired a little tunic and skirt sort of situation and is walking around carrying the babies on her arms still. She's absentmindedly looking for any particularly valuable or entwined pieces of reed for clothes for the elders who maybe have a harder time collecting reeds for themselves. She's trying to be as useful as she can, despite how useless she feels. That is, until she stumbles upon something hard in the reeds below her. It's a spear left behind from maybe some hunting trip or something. And all that's left is a bone spear tip and a small pool of dried blood leading further into the reeds. Hey, what are you doing over there? Somebody calls from back toward the uh, village. Uh, hi, um, I forget your name. It's... <laughs> um, wait, hi, hi, um, do you have a name already? It's <laughs> it's NASCAR. Uh, hi, 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 NASCAR. I didn't no, see you there. No, 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 NASCAR. Um. <laughs> NASCAR. It's a fantasy name that the writer came up with. It's not because the writer was thinking NASCAR and just left off the last <laughs> word. So, uh, letter. So, so, so NASCAR. Are you? Oh, um, <laughs> come, come. Are you coming this way, or are you just? Uh, looking for other reeds. I'm uh, trying to look out that you guys from small, you smalls, don't venture too far from the village. You're supposed to collect oh, reeds close by. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be right. I'll be right back. I just, I see a. Our voices uh, are really similar. That makes this part of the podcast really kind of annoying. <laughs> what do you see? Do you say? Um, nothing. I'll be, I'll be right there. Thank you. All right, get over here. No, but I I gotta get this this uh, thing. Hey, big boy, <laughs> big boy, I need your help. And the big boy lumbers over. Oh yes, how can I help you, um, NASCAR? This little girl here from Small Big River Village thinks she can just 
ignore my commands. Can you force her or something? Uh, and uh, what girl would, would that be, NASCAR? And Big Boy looks and, and there's no one around. What? I swear she was here just a moment ago. Dang it, where, where could she possibly have gone? After, uh, in fact, like actually, where she, could she possibly have gone if all the reeds have melted away from the rain? Well, not all of them, but many of them. Because they have some covering on the other side, right? The reeds, yeah, anyway. Yeah. In our fantasy world, the rain falls really hard in these circular <laughs> sort of crop circle-like portions. No, this is not the fantasy world. This is Earth, 50K BC or some shit. In our storytelling world, the rain is falling in this sort of Swiss cheese pattern all over the place. Yes. That's why there's these circular areas of no, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. Matula's gone. And Big Boy pats uh, NASCAR on the back and heads back to Long Big River Village. God, I really hope that we don't need this character NASCAR anymore because <laughs> I dislike adding another character to this already huge roster. Also, his name, the name NASCAR. NASCAR. NASCAR, by the way. I didn't mean to make it NASCAR. We could ditch the character here and now. I just think it's funny to have a character named NASCAR that we'd never see again. It's just <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, young Matula is crawling on our hands and knees as best she can while cupping two babies beneath her so that they don't protrude and gargle above the reeds, drawing attention to herself. <laughs> babies always protruding and gargling. <laughs> All the best babies do. But she's following the thin trail of dried blood that she saw earlier. It leads through the sparse, mostly weathered away reeds, uphill and toward the forest. The forbidden forest, the place where humans aren't meant to go. For beasts there lurk within, far too foul to name. <laughs> <laughs> Matula climbs up out of the reeds and reaches a large, a rotund tree, ah, almost in the shape voluptuous. of a voluptuous woman. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite tree. She can see that the blood trail ends here. There's just a little bit of dried red on the ground. But from the way the bark has been chipped, it seems that somebody rested here not too long ago. She curiously and fearfully peeks around the voluptuous maiden-like tree and into the dark jungle beyond. But she can't see anyone. She can only hear the, the, the muffled chirpings and growlings of Distant creatures. Matula! Matula, come back here! Matula looks over her shoulder. The sound of her mother calling for her behind. Then looks back forward into the jungle and listens to the sound of birds and who knows what other animals. Matula, where are you? I'm... I'm I'm coming, Mom. I'm I'm coming, Mom. She turns around, shaking her head, and as she's just about to start dashing back toward the village, she notices one of the babies staring up. <laughs> and it's not just staring up into her face as as usual. It's reaching, reaching past her, reaching up into, or I mean, staring up into the branches of the tree. As if reaching for a toy or something? Instinctively, Matula looks up over her shoulder and sees something in the tree. 
She pulls some branches left and right and, and reaches for what looks to be a strange fruit. But when she finally gets her hands around it, it's warm and <laughs> wet. Oh, no. And when she pulls it out, it seems still firmly attached until she gets it into sight. And it's a human hand. It's a human head still attached to a human body, right? It's still attached to a human body. Not growing on the tree. In the tree, somebody goes, oh, what? And suddenly, Oturo pushes aside some branches and looks down at Matula, dazed. Good morning, Matula. You're up early? Hard cut to a slamming of a fist on a table. Elder Karumbe is looking Bosco straight in the eyes and says, Bosco, I've known you a long time, but I'm not about to give you two children from my village in exchange for a couple of roofs over our heads. These are human beings. Ah, they're not children yet, Karumbe, says the great elder, Bosco. She crosses her arms. They're babies. You may have not even named them, right? We would give them away to the stone people. They would take good care of them. And we could receive all kinds of riches and technologies from them in return. Are you telling me that the stone people are asking you to take children for them? No, not quite. But I know that they have a use for babies. Karumbe takes a moment to think to herself, suspicious of this still. Look, I don't even have to talk to you about this. You agree that what I say goes. In return for your people being allowed to live in this village, I will take the two babies. There's no discussion. What if I just take my people and cross the river into Short Big River Village? Or to... to Yes, Short. Short is the one uh, across the river. Short is the one across. Mm. You won't find anyone there. The people of Short refuse to cooperate with us or the stone people as well, and have moved on to find places safe from the rain. I suppose you can sift through the ruins of their homes, but you need our wood coverings to be protected from the downpour. This isn't over, Bosco. I haven't given you my children, and if you insist on taking them, we'll leave again. I'm thankful for the night that you've spared. And we'll do anything we can to repay you. That doesn't involve the exchanging of human lives. And that's final. If we must leave, we'll leave. Well, we are expecting a group of stone people to pass near here soon. Uh, when they arrive, we'll see if you've changed your mind. Kurumbe looks at the other small Big River Village elders that are gathered behind her. And she huffs once and leaves the long hut. They follow swiftly without saying anything. Karumbe walks with the other elders through the thoroughfare in the center of Long Big River Village to the end of the village where the newest huts are standing still under half-finished wood coverings. Her people, some clothed, some still waiting for clothing, are helping as much as they can to build more wooden roofs to protect their reed huts from the rain. But she steps inside the biggest one, that has already been completed, where most of her people are recovering. And as she steps inside and nods to a few of the older folks that are resting from the hard trek over, she looks left and right looking for Matula or 
or Matula's mother, but she sees no sight of them. But she does see a familiar face. Oturo? What are you doing here? I thought you went off with Bellop to... Where's Bellop? Where's Artis? Oturo is splayed on a reed bed and um, looks up at Karumbe very woozily. He smiles at Karumbe and says, I got um, rescued and now that need more rescue. I need more rescuing. And as he stammers this, Matula and her mother come rushing in through the door with a little bit of reed bandaging that they have that they've been able to procure from the long big river villagers and some water from the river. Hi Elder Karumbe. Hi Elder Karumbe. Excuse us. And they both push past as they begin to uh peel the the dried mud around uh, Atura's wound away to reveal what's a, a hard, truly hard-looking gash in his leg. What happened here? Why is Oturo drunk? <laughs> He's not drunk, Elder Karumbe. He's uh, tripping, yo. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's under the influence of, of well, blood loss mostly, but also the uh, effect of inhaling the reed dust, I believe. I think some of us felt it too as we were pushing through the rain on those last few meters toward... Long Big River Village, last night. Has he said anything about uh, Bellop or Ardis or why he was attacked? This doesn't look like a, an alligator or, or, or a denizen of the forest. This looks, this looks like a spear wound. Yeah, it used to be. You look, I, I used to be a teacher like you. But yeah, it took a spear to the knee, <laughs> says Oturo. I found the spearhead. Says Matula. In the in the reeds, um, like uh, 20, 30 feet from thirty f- footsteps from the <laughs> <laughs> from from the the edge of of Longbrig River Village. I I think I I have it here. And she like rumbles ruff, ruffles through her her reed pockets and and produces the spearhead. Elder Karumbe takes it into her hand and examines it, turning it over. This is not one of our spearheads. Is this a Long Big River Spearhead? Yep, says Oturo. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to... Ca- they were trying to catch artists. And I sent the boys... Oh boy, I sent the boys away into the forbidden forest. God, I'm sorry. That was possibly unwise. Um... They were, they wanted to cut off his hand, I think. Cut off. That's what artist said. Well, actually, artist said. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but so okay, Laturo, yeah. uh, you're telling me the boys are in the forbidden jungle. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Krumbe inhales deeply. Boy, I need. That I need this, this please. And he reaches for the water pail that um, Matula is holding. The, or, the clay bowl. Yeah, the clay water bowl uh, and downs it in a big gulp, but kind of pours most of it onto his face. <sighs> uh, 
And he just closes his eyes. He's looking really pale. I, I, young Matula, could you go get some more water, please? Sure, Matula says, and hoisting the babies in a way that allows her to take the water bowl, she runs out of the hut. As soon as she's gone, Karumbe turns to Matula's mother. We need to get those boys back. I know. Do you think, do you think Artis remembers? The bald warrior finishes bandaging Oturo's wound, looks up at her elder and says, At this point, I hope so. Uh, Elder Kurumbe nods and says, Our stay here might be shorter than we thought. Good, says Matula's mother. Is uh, Oturo stable? I can only pray to the reeds that he is. All right. I need you to do me a favor. Sure. Anything. I want you to keep young Matula with you and the babies at all times. But I want you to go talk to the elders of weaving, the elders of building, the elders of reed cutting. From this day forth, we are no longer reed cutters, builders, and weavers. We are spies. Our job must be to learn the ways of the long big river village. So do your roles as you are meant to do, but learn what you can. We have maybe a day or two before we need to move again, for I fear something terrible will descend upon us if we don't. Matula's mother considers this for a second and then nods curtly. I'm on it. I will do my best to distract our great elder, and she smirks. And then she heads back off mm. towards the long central oh, hut. Saucy. What has she got planned for our dear Bosca? Um, you want to cut again? Yeah, let's go over to Artis and Bellop. It feels like the sun is hotter in the mountains, but the air is colder. Bellop is picking at his arm where, after a long time of walking in the sun, uh, in the dry air, a little bit of sunburn has been has begun to peel from his skin. The bellop is yawning, looking back and forth across the rocks and down the hill, past the jungle below, and at the weaving, winding, small river that lies below. In fact, Big River has never looked less like a big river than it did right then. Ahead of them, stands the broad-shouldered, camouflage-inked man, covered head to toe, and he's said nothing. Not since the initial exclamations and embracing that occurred when he and Artis first set eyes upon each other. Notably, Artis, too, has been particularly tight-lipped. They had a few brief exchanges, but since then, they've been strangely quiet as they made their way up the mountain. So, um, sorry, uh, what exactly is our plan at this time? Philip says. I just, it, I'm starting to get a sunburn and it's, um, we're, we're moving really far from home. Artis, uh, looks back at his brother with empathy and sighs a little and says, Utpahanda, and he shrugs, and they keep walking. What do you mean we're getting closer to home? Artis shrugs again and looks up the mountain, 
the peak of it so close to the sun you can't quite see the tip, when suddenly the large camouflage man puts a hand up and back and says, Hochat, and both the boys stop. A tense moment passes, a silent moment, in which the big man slightly widens his stance and sinks into a crouch. The two boys are still smaller than him at this point, so they don't need to crouch. Bellip ventures a question. Are we in danger? What is a prehistoric mountain creature? Um, goblin. <laughs> no. You said it wasn't fantasy. You said word for word. This a mountain lion. Um, what do we have a, a, lion, a giant goat. sloth? Giant sloth. Wow. Yeah. And as if to answer Bellop's very question, a slow moving giant sloth <laughs> crosses in front of them. First, you smell this waft of wildness. Then you hear the scrape of long nails over rock. Then a loud snort. And suddenly, around the rocky side of the mountain comes just this wall of fur. Giant sloths are enormous, larger than any saber-toothed puma or <laughs> alligator of the big river. They aren't predators by nature, but they're so massive they can be dangerous out of their own ineptitude if they don't notice what they're crushing underfoot. The large camouflage man holds his hand out as they stay very, very still and watch the giant sloth walk right past. As it does, it steps on a large, round, flat stone and the stone makes an unsettling crickling sound under its huge foot, leaving Bellop to wonder if a painted stone man would just as well be crushed under the sloth's foot. But after a few moments, when the sloth disappears down the path it was heading, the, the camouflage man withdraws his hand and they head back up the mountain again. The landscape doesn't seem to change, and yet the altitude grows ever higher. The fog grows from being far away to being near to being behind them as they pass through clouds, climbing higher and higher into the sky. At first, Bellop sees the clouds clinging to the stone walls, and he thinks there's no way that we'll get through those, or, or will we cut them open with our sickles? But as he draws closer, they seem to disappear until suddenly they're inside them. And he realizes, oh yeah, these are just wads of water. Wads of water. <laughs> wads of water. But the most unsettling feeling Bellop experiences is the one where he turns around and he tries to look back at Big River Basin and the village and, and the reeds and the, and the jungle that he's known his whole life. And he can't see them. And there's nothing but the white mist of fog of cloud behind him. And he realizes for the first time, he's so far away, he doesn't know where home is. Artis, um, Artis, I, huh, hmm, I'm not, I'm not feeling too good. Can I just... He leans on his brother with one hand. And Artis, surprised, stumbles back and almost drops him. 
on the steep path. No, I just... I don't know where we're going, and... What? Where's home? And and I'm just... Oh. Artis looks up at the at the camouflage man disappearing into the fog ahead of them. He hasn't stopped. Artis looks back at his brother and and puts one hand over his shoulder and, and hoists him up a little bit and says, Dos todo de boho bagaye, dos to beheye, da pahatu. And he points ahead up the path. Yeah, okay. I guess, yeah, we're going to find your people, but I just would really appreciate if we would get there sometime soon. And just as he's finishing that sentence, they emerge from the cloud, and a world opens before him. The world of the stone people. Carved into the side of the mountain is a village, but a village unlike any that Bellop has ever seen. There are pillars of stone supporting wood platforms, supporting more pillars of stone, supporting more wooden platforms. An intricate scaffolding of interconnected chambers and passageways and bridges, one leading to the other. Open rooms, uh, gazebos here and there, watchful peaks on either side. There are people, uncamouflaged people, walking about carrying stone buckets of who knows what around. And there are, there are, there are people lying down and, and children playing games, uh, rolling small stone objects across the ground and laughing as they kick something wooden after them. There's a, there's a, a large table of, of old, old people with wizened white hair uh, hunched over a pile of, of brightly colored leaves and finely ground powder. And they're sorting it by, by something as that uh, even uh, Bellop himself can't quite figure out what it is. But it's a whole village. A village of several times the size of Small Big River Village and Long Big River Village combined. As Bellop tries to take in the, the many different sights, sounds, smells, and tastes in the air, he, he looks over at his brother. Artis's eyes are gleaming. He's almost equally overwhelmed, maybe even more so. It's like seeing a place that you, you only thought was a dream. Mardale moleduco, says the big camouflaged man. And he pokes Artis in the arm and nods his head toward a sort of stone hut. That's the best way Bellop can describe it. That is carved into the mountain. Coltore. And the two boys follow the big camouflaged man into the village and into this hut. Inside, a, a small fire glows and a, a small stone plate lays over it, sizzling something delicious smelling on top. Sloth meat. <laughs> uh, a woman sits by the fire one leg extended, rocking a small child clinging to her calf back and forth on it, the other slowly rotating the stone plate around the fire to make sure every piece is grilled equally. In her hands, 
are a, a series of long, thin reeds, and she's weaving them together. She looks up in confusion at first, seeing Bellop and not recognizing him and seeing the large camouflaged man and nodding to him and then seeing Artis. Olemara. <laughs> Bethuro. Olemara. Bethuro. She gets up, almost dropping the child on the floor, definitely dropping her reed work, her weaving work on the floor, scooping up the child in one arm and running over to artists to look into his face, examining his eyes, examining his every part of his body. She peels open his lips to count how many teeth he has. <laughs> yep, five. Bithuru, I'll today. Artis is stunned. He, he doesn't know this woman. Uh, he feels something in his heart based on, on what she's saying, but he doesn't, he has no idea who this woman is. Wait, Artis, this is, this is your mom? Philip says. Artis awkwardly scratches his head. Bellop <clears throat> clears his throat <clears throat> and he extends one arm toward the woman who's still uh, entranced by Artis and she looks over at him and Bellop <clears throat> clears his throat again and says <laughs> and the woman laughs <laughs> and says Utka, Utka, Imalto. And she shakes his hand. Uh, and at this point, <laughs> the podcast has realized that everybody's now speaking in a made up language and they can just switch back to English again. We're going to switch into English now that everybody's speaking in that language. Hallelujah. Unbelievable. <laughs> My name is Bellop. I am <laughs> Artis's brother. It's such an honor to meet you, Bellop. I can see that Artis and you are deeply connected. And she looks back over at Artis. Hey, bro, we really need to work on your accent. It's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it's a little slow, but I think it's pretty impressive that I was uh, able to learn... This much Bro, this is painful. This you. is terrible. You can you can just you know uh it's good practice, but you really don't need to brother, you know. These boys are quite impressive, says the big camouflaged man. They made it through the jungle. Rather challenging terrain, if you ask me. Artis, as he calls himself now, made it all the way back home to you, Lanessa. Lanessa? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure I have the name right. Lanessa. Okay. I'm I'm sorry, Artis says as he looks up at uh, Lanessa. I should have come back sooner. I, I didn't think of it, I guess. Dear, dear boy, I've already forgiven you. I'm just glad you're here, even if you don't remember me. I remember my name, Bethudo. I remember the village, and I remember the trail, but I don't, I don't remember you. I don't remember my own mother. Artis looks ashamed. Lanessa puts a hand on her son's cheek. Truly you are forgiven, my son. 
For now I know that you have returned and you will not leave again. You will stay with your family forever now. Artist Bethuda looks up and, and he looks back at, at Bellop and, and Bellop looks at him a little bit worried in his eyes and says, well, a- well actually, um, we came here because we need help. What do you mean? Yes, we need help from our village is dying, dying, dying. (laughs) Your village, your village is here, Bethuro. You don't need to concern yourself with the lives of the grass people anymore, Bethuro. You've got a more sturdy home waiting for you here. And your brother can stay too. We need as many young people as we can get, says the camouflage big man. Artis shakes his head, no, and he says, I thank you, thank you, but there are other people that need help too. And I want to stay, I, I want to, to stay, but I also want them to be safe. Lanessa looks up at the large camouflaged man. I suppose we could help your family, your adoptive family down in the basin, and in return you would stay with us? I promise you'll you'll love them. They're they're wonderful people. You'll love my my mother. I mean an artist looks embarrassed again. Um well, well, what, what is the problem, son? What kind of help do these people need from us? The, the rain is destroying everything. There's a, there was a new magical rain, and it's destroying everything my people, I'm, the, grass people. the grass people built. At the mention of the rain, Lanessa looks up at the camouflaged man again. Uh, she looks back at Artis and Bellop and says, I'd better show you two something. Come with me. The kids uh, nod and, and take each other's hand as they follow. Lanessa leads the two young grass people through the village into a large carved out hall where stone benches and tables are set up, um, where big fires glow in fireplaces whose chimneys carry smoke outside, where um, steps have been carved into the side walls leading up to higher levels inside the mountain. And the boys carefully ascend these constructions following Artis's would-be mother until they reach a cavern that smells dank. Inside the cavern, the ground is moist and soft, and there are plants sprouting here and there. There are reeds among them. There are fungi and some plants that neither artists nor Bellop recognize. Tiered down the mountain are gardens. Moist, wet, vibrant soil with the smallest of sprouts rising up from some and the largest of lanky vines coming down from others. Plants of all different shapes and sizes, far beyond something that uh, artists or Bellop have ever seen. Some of them they recognize from Moturo stories, and some of them seem stranger still. 
These plants bear fruit. They bear vegetables. Some are being dug from the ground with with small sticks to 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 expose bulbous tubers down below. These gardens are plentiful beyond anything Bellop could have imagined. With a garden like this, the need to, to scour for food would, would be unnecessary. It seemed like a veritable paradise. Lanessa smiles as she sees the marveling eyes of the two boys. We had some troubles as well when the rains first came. I'm sure the grass people told you many stories of how we subsist on stone alone, how we don't need to hunt or gather for our food. But that's not quite true. For a long time now, we have collected rainwater from the top of the mountain and guided it to feed these plants here. And the plants in turn feed us. What do you do? Bellop starts about the rain. Well, at first, many of our plants perished. But then we found a solution, a way to prepare for the rain. Come. And she leads the two boys through the farm hall, their steps echoing, and up another flight of stairs, higher and higher still, until they reach a little outlook that is bored through from the inside of the hollowed-out mountain onto the outside. It's like a little outcropping from where you can see so far into the distance, dizzyingly far. And again, the two boys can look down between the clouds and see the faintest snaking sparkle of Big River. They're about to step forward and peer through the river before the wall itself moves. There's a woman, masked perfectly into the wall itself. So cool. Adorned in fanciful, striated, marbling patterned camouflage, more intricate even than the camouflaged man that found them. She's bare-breasted and holds in her hands a small basket up to one side, a basket containing a baby. Yes. Um, the boys stare at the woman, and the woman stares back, and then the baby rears its tiny head and stares at the boys and goes, (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of spittle beflecks Artis's face. (laughs) You see, the babies understand the rain. They can feel and uh, a vibration in the earth and a, and a changing of the winds, and they know. The infants simply know. So we've discovered that if we listen to our infants, we can predict the rain. What have we here? What is this old lamp? Let me just, let me just lick my palm and rub this lamp a little bit. What, 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 something's coming out, something's coming out of this, oh my goodness. Hello, it is me, the genie of podcasts. Oh, what is, what is your name, great genie? 
genie of podcasts. I literally just oh, said it. Oh, genie of podcasting, the genie of podcasting. Yes, that is me indeed. <laughs> <laughs> what what message have you us for today? <laughs> no, no, that's not how this works at all. I um, I, you have three wishes. Uh, oh, three wishes. But they must be I podcast know related. What... Oh well, I wish for all of our friends to check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, email account. That's all one wish, by the way. No, that's um, not. That's not. There are many rules to wishing, which kind of okay. ruins the idea of wishing. But one rule is that each social media account is one wish. Okay, so then I, my first wish is to get rid of the wishing rules. Damn it! Why didn't we make a rule <laughs> against that one? And then I want all of our friends to check out our social media uh, at StoryJustCast on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We 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 really appreciate that. And my second wish is to have everyone. Let um, me guess. You would also really appreciate getting emails at storyjazzcast at gmail.com, having everyone share the show with their friends who might like it, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Is that right? Well, great genie of podcasting, the great genie of podcasting. You're making this wishing process a lot less fun, I have to say. I worked really hard to rub this lamp. <laughs> I really, you know... <laughs> well, young one, uh, wishing is not about the lamps you rub along the way. It is about the wishes. <laughs> well, thanks, great genie of podcasting, the great genie of podcasting. I, uh, I guess I appreciate it. Um, I love you. I love you too. Also, we have uh, another ad for you guys <laughs> from another actual play podcast you were cooperating with. Check it out. Are you intimidated by podcasts with hundreds of episodes per story and are afraid you'll never catch up? Then come join our actual play podcast, Mark Experience, where we play short, easy listening campaigns based in genres ranging anywhere from sci-fi to fantasy and even modern horror. We've got drama. An eye for an eye, a butt for a butt. Romance. I was thrown in here for love. And mutual distaste in various NPCs. In this house, we love and appreciate not loving and appreciating Van Helsing. Joining the Mark Experience fan club comes with free fun, good vibes, and a little bit of Mothman as a treat. Thanks, everyone. We love you. We love you. Great Elder Bosco sits at his table, eyeing a metal tool up and down the blade, examining it fascinating over it, completely enthralled when he's suddenly drawn back to the real world by a faint rapping at the door. He lets them wait for a moment, smirking before speaking the words, Come in. The door opens, and in walks an old woman, one Karumbe you've seen before. And she hangs her head low, and she says, Great Elder, I've come to apologize for my earlier behavior. Bosco sits upright, trying to hide the surprise and, and, and elation at Karumbe's sudden submission. Go on. It's been a hard, long journey to make it here to your great village. And mm. the stress of the travel and... The arguments with my fellow elders has been taking a toll on me, and I apologize if that offended you in any way. Mm. Good. Did you need anything then? I've uh, I've actually come to admit that it's it's going to be a a welcome respite to 
my elderly duties to recognize you as great elder and submit to your hierarchy. And in so doing, I am prepared, and, and so are the other elders, to let you have our two children. Bosco smiles wide. He doesn't bother to hide his satisfaction at that. Very good, Karumbe. I knew you'd come around. I'd only ask you give us time to perform our aging ceremonies on them, where we count their teeth and everything, you know. And then you may have the children to do as you wish. Mm. No, that won't be necessary, Bosco says. Please, please, great elder. He stands up from his seat and walks toward Karumbe with a knife in his hand. Just a day. No, I don't think so. Because if you age them, you'll name them. And if you name them, you'll get attached. But those babies are going with the stone people. When they arrive to trade, impart their wisdom, and bless us for our contributions. Elder Karumbe bites her lip. He plays with the knife standing in front of Karumbe, touching the tip with one finger and twisting it back and forth, careful not to prick himself, but playing with the thought of it, the danger of it. Was there anything else, Karumbe? Well, now that you ask, Elder Karumbe swallows, and we look from below, and we can see her stooped over as she calms her face and goes from a from a twisted anger at Bosco's audacity to a, a calm and even coy look on her face, one that she's performing. And then she lifts her head back up to Bosco, and she says, I was wondering if you... I well, if you remember that night, she says. And Bosco's expression changes again. Again, from superiority to surprise, and then to an attempt to mask that reaction. I may or may not remember a certain night <laughs> many years ago. A night that only two young people and the stars witnessed. He steps forward and reaches a wrinkled hand out toward Karumbe. Karumbe fights the urge to slap it aside and takes it into hers instead. And she says, Perhaps, great elder, it's time to put on another show for the stars. The day is darkening and the stone people still haven't arrived. Young Matula and her mother peer from deep in the reeds into the window of one of the long village huts where inside the long Big River villagers themselves are gathering for a meal. They wait patiently until a faint knocking happens at the door. One long Big River villager, uh, NASCAR, gets up and answers <laughs> the door. NASCAR already. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what can I do for you? Oh, that's not that's not his voice either. Yeah, what can I do for you? Hi, uh, my name is uh, Aleki. I'm from the short Big River Village. Uh, sorry, lo- lo- small Big River Village. I forgot which village I was from. <laughs> that's and okay. That's okay. That happens to all of us sometimes. Because the- uh, 
were not very consistently written. Uh, I just, I brought some, some food and I thought I would share it with, uh, you know, you guys uh, saved us and, um, Matula and Matula's mother are shaking their head, knowing Aleki is a terrible actor, but he's doing his best with what they told him to do. Uh, sure, yeah, you can come dine with us, I guess. Uh, we were oh, running a little low anyway, because we have this new system where they hand out rations in portions, <laughs> uh, and each of us gets their allotted portions for the week. But my family just happens to eat a lot. And as Alecki steps inside the hut, he can see that Nascar, Nasca, by the way, I never <laughs> called him Nascar. His name is Nasca. And I have never called him that. I've only ever called him Nascar. Nasca's family, you know, formula and, um, <laughs> no, are a bunch of, are a bunch of, just like, it's like nine people gathered around a little table. By the way, Tables are new technology, too. I wanted to mention that earlier. Yeah. Forget about it. Um, we can table that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Nazca's family are like nine people gathered in the center of this hut, and they've split up this family ration among all of them, leaving each of them with just like a handful of berries and a tiny little slice of the dark meat of an alligator. Uh, Alecky hesitantly, uh, nervously, looks around, sweating a little bit, and plops down a, a, a huge hunk of... I need a... I'm, I, I want to make this sound tasty. Um, uh, a, a wrapped uh, cod, uh, wrapped in really fine reeds, speckled with flowers, and lightly roasted... Uh, a delicacy, salted, so it's preserved very well after it was cooked, um, carried all the way from small, big river. Aleki sort of, he puts it down on the table, and it, and it smells amazing. And he says, um, uh, this is a, a gift from our village to yours. And um, uh, anyway, uh, thank, thank you. <clears throat> I'm Aleki. <laughs> Uh, Nazca's entire family are staring at this fish. Wild beast, son of a gator, <laughs> says Nazca. Um, That's one fine looking fish. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> the accent is getting more and more thick. Oh my Love god. Um, and everybody starts digging in. Uh, Aleki sits down with them and and takes a very, very small portion, but lets everyone eat. And uh, he and Nascar sort of sit next to each other, watching the family gorge themselves. And he says, <clears throat> So, <clears throat> I don't want to gossip or, or anything, but, um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to gossip, but, um, um, well, you know, I don't really, really want to gossip. <laughs> At this point, everybody's staring at her. <laughs> First of all, Matula and her mother are outside, just hands on their foreheads, just, this was a bad idea. Why did we hire Aleki as <laughs> one of our spies? It should have been anyone else. It should have been anyone else. It should have been Matula. It should have been one of the babies for crying out loud. But no, Aleki wanted to do his part. <laughs> Nazca's entire family is staring at Aleki now. Yeah? So, 
what don't you want to gossip about? Uh, Nasca winks at him. <laughs> well, um, small Big River Village is is so impressed with um the 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 roofs that you've made and and we're just you you are you're so impressive as a village and and we wondered um is 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 this all from uh your great elder great elder great elder i don't i i don't remember how many times i'm supposed to say it um <laughs> is this all from great elder or great elder great elder great elder or is this um you know who came up with this and and we're just i'm just I, I'm kind of a, a builder myself. I'm not to not to brag or anything. Um, I can I can do buildings. Um, <laughs> I I'm just I'm just cur- curious, or, or or I don't want to gossip or any anything. Um, all right, all right. So, what was your questioning? <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, it's kind of the great elder's idea. I guess it was more. The stone people's idea. They- yeah, but I, I, I was. I mean, I was, I was helping some people today, and and they said that um, the the architect of the village is is the great NASCAR. So so I was wondering. <laughs> I thought I would talk to you. You know, it's NASCAR actually. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> look, I'm. Yeah. Okay. So don't tell anybody I told you, but yeah. The stone people suggested building some sort of scaffoldings, but I figured out how to do this with the wood and everything. Yeah, it was pretty much my idea to make these roofs. But I'm not allowed to tell anybody that because the great elder said... Well, 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 the great elder said he wanted to take the credit. Now, don't tell anybody I told you that. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of, I can't even, you know, I can't even speak, so it's not a big deal. I mean, um, You know, sometimes it, it does get on my nerves with the rules and everything. Having yeah. to bow down to him and repeat his name. I know, yes, great like elder, back yes, already, great yeah. I mean, I like being able to boss you guys around. Yeah, we like it too. We really like that, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, if, if you, like- you know, if you could find uh, trees, you know, uh, somewhere else, you could you could build a house somewhere else, right? You you know everything, right? I could do that. Why? No, I'm just just wondering. Like, you know, you, you you're so smart and and <laughs> um. Well, I know, don't know about you, that. <laughs> you're a great cook, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm 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 really a cook. I. I do. I can do the cook. Yeah. Yeah. Your um, your people are good good at this stuff. It's a shame that there's so much conflict between our villages. I don't really know what that's about. Oh, I'm I'm sure it's it's all our fault, and and your great elder is just trying to to help us, and we really appreciate all all of the all of the work that you're doing. Um. Also, I'm sorry that that great elder is being kind of shifty and taking all of your credit. That's. That I mean, if it if I were you, I wouldn't I wouldn't put up with that. But I, I I understand. It's 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 very noble of you. I mean, what choice do I have? He's the great elder. He yeah, rules, I, and I, I I totally I understand. Have to put up with it. Yeah, it's not like you could push him over and he would die of the fall. It's you know he's just I totally get it. It's you know there's nothing you can do. Huh? Nasca says, and he looks around at his family, all of whom are thinking and munching and nodding. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically one character. <laughs> you know, 
I would never do something like that. But it is true that there's more of us than there is of him. Yeah, yeah. But he's a great elder, right? He's a great yeah, elder, he's great, a great, great elder. elder. Yeah. He's a great elder, and his, his ideas come from the stone people, you know? And they're so smart. The best we do yeah. is the stone people do, I'd say. So so I, I, I have another, um, I mean, I don't want to gossip or anything. No, it's um, okay. You can stop gossiping <laughs> then. If you don't want to gossip, you can just be quiet. I, I like he didn't think of this and he just sort of like nods quietly. <laughs> Matula's mother outside is, damn it. He's fallen into one of the typical traps. What can he do now? Matula, acting on impulse, picks up a pebble and throws it inside <laughs> through the window. It, it like it like bounces off of Alecky's forehead. <laughs> and this restarts, this somehow restarts, hard resets his brain. He goes, hello, I am Alecky. Alecky bomb V1.0.1. Restarting. So, um, so yeah, um, I actually really want to gossip. So what's the deal with um, <laughs> Big Boy and uh, sco- Scoliosis and Down Eyebrow Man and um, uh, Blotchy Face Woman? What, what's their deal? Um, well, they're the Great Elder's personal guards. Um, yeah, they're his seconds in command. Sort of second second rung on the hierarchy. They're pretty uh, good they don't, at fighting. They don't- they don't they don't boss you around or anything, right? They're they're nice. I don't know, blotchy faced woman who, by the way, has a name, but let's forget about that for a second. <laughs> is kind of bossy, um, but the other two are fine. Uh, big boy's name actually literally is Big Boy. Uh, that's his name. It just so happens that he's also a big boy. Scoliosis man just sort of appeared one day. Some say he's actually an alligator in a trench coat. A reed trench coat. <laughs> and can you can you understand what he's saying? What oh, yeah. he like does his like? Sure. Yeah. 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 It's Big River Sign Language. Everybody knows it. So like, if I do if I if I do this, then it means what does what does this mean? Oh, you don't want to know. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, you're arching. I'll, I won't do that. You're arching your eyebrow there. If you arch it a little bit to the side, it would mean oh, like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. It would okay, mean like that. I want a piece of your steak. Piece of your steak is that of your alligator steak? Is that like an innu- innuendo? Should I be careful no, no. I say that too? But okay. if you arch okay. it a little bit, like two degrees, yeah, other, yeah exactly okay. like that. Uh, that okay. means right. I want a piece of your dick. Oh, oh, and uh, it's a useful <laughs> phrase. I mean, I won't judge I, you. <laughs> I like he sort of blushes a little bit. He says, well, "I'll just, I'll just put that one in the in the filing cabinet for later." <laughs> you do that. Anyway, where um, the fuck are we in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, anyway, um, thanks for all that. And, um, you know, uh, it, mom's the word, you know, and he pulls his, ma- his uh, fingers across his mouth like a zipper, which hasn't been invented yet. Um, yeah, I think the three guards basically follow the great elder for the same reason all of us do, because he knows what the stone people are up to. Oh. He follows their wisdom. And as long as he does that, He's wiser than any of us. So, so he can, he can speak the stone people's language. Oh, sure. Probably. I think he speaks it really well. Okay, cool. That's, um, really interesting. Really great. That's, oh, you have such a great elder. Wow. Yeah, that's, he that's is a great. great elder. Yes, great elder. Yes, great elder. Yes, great elder. Yes, <sighs> great, yes, great elder. Okay. Sometimes um, I wish he wasn't, though. 
Don't tell anybody I said that. No, I no, I I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't dream. I wouldn't dream of it. Yeah. Well, it's a good 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 night. Uh, good thanks night. for the. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. Thanks. Slam. He leaves. <laughs> and reconvenes with Matula and her mother. I can't believe Matula's mother is such a major character and still unnamed. I love it. I love it. I mean, we got big boy scoliosis and not eyebrow man and blotch face woman. <laughs> true. So, Eleki reconvenes with Matula and her mother in the reeds. So, how'd I do? It's pretty good, right? Uh, awful. Mostly awful. Uh, but somehow you still managed to get the information we needed. That was a good throw, wasn't it, Aleki? Matula says, pinching Aleki in the <laughs> arm. Uh, Aleki has a small red circle right in the center of his forehead. <laughs> and he says, it was fine. <laughs> Matula laughs as the three of them walk back toward the thoroughfare in the center of the village. And at just that moment, they see somebody come running down that thoroughfare. One of the long Big River villagers waving their arms and shouting, they're finally here, guys! The stone people are arriving! That's the end of that character, because I can't do another fucking voice that is in any way discernible <laughs> from the others. <laughs> Matula's mother and Aleki look at one another. Where Long Big River Village ends, there's a big circular area cleared of reeds. Standing at the edge of the clearing are a handful of camouflaged people. Dark as the night sky, some, and pale gray like ghosts are others. It's hard to tell how many there are exactly, because some of them fade into the night itself. They stare, stone-faced and silent, at the village, a few holding torches high above, waiting and watching. The grass people collect at the edge of their village, and three of them step forward, sort of hesitantly, looking around, for their great elder. I don't... Should we... Are we supposed to do this, or should we wait for the great elder? Let's give him a moment. I'm sure he'll be here any second. The scoliosis is now eyebrow man. He looks around, and he he makes a couple of subtle eye gestures, and then uh, nods to the <laughs> to the stone people. I guess we should we should welcome them. I think, uh, I think he's right. All right, fine. Welcome! Now we wait. <laughs> the, the stone people are stone-faced and just stare. And now a, a crowd has gathered. The villagers of Long Big River Village have gathered and the, the villagers of Small Big River Village have gathered as well. All of them looking in awe and amazement at the camouflaged people in front of them. But nobody's talking. Nobody's opening negotiations. Until suddenly, a couple of small boys push their way through these stone-faced, camouflaged men and women. Uh, All right, I think we need to like, like break the ice here. Um, and Bella stumbles forward and almost falls <laughs> as he pushes his way out of the stone people. Oh, hello everyone. As he finds himself in this potential mosh pit between <laughs> these two tribes. Um, Artis comes bowling out after him and, and grabs him by the belt to keep him from falling and stands next to him and then looks up at the three goons who not too long ago had kidnapped him. Isn't that, isn't that the maybe stone boy that we've, we found a, a little while? Yes, that's him. We, we're not, is that a good or, or bad? We found him. Should we tell, should we tell Great Elder? I don't, yeah. Uh, when the Great Elder arrives, I'm sure he'll see. And I'm sure we'll get another cut on our cheek oh. for failing to collect him. 
uh, the scoliosis endowed, <laughs> the scoliosis endowed, a complicated eyebrow man. <laughs> a phrase that I haven't yet said, but I've listened to you say so fluently eight times now. <laughs> uh, makes a series of eyebrow gestures, and uh, the blotchy-faced woman nods and says, "Oh yeah, you're right. Originally, wasn't it the stone people who wanted this boy? So I guess we did our job then, huh?" Technically, I don't think that means that we did our job because we weren't actually instrumental in the return of the boy. Unless it counts the fact that we tried- Oh, shut up, shut up. They got what they wanted. I'm sure the Great Elder would not cut us again. I hope the Great Elder will not. And she looks over her shoulder toward the Great Elder's head. What is taking him so long? Uh, meanwhile, Bellop is scanning the crowd, looking for anyone from his village that he recognizes. <laughs> Maybe even the, the character that this whole freaking story arc is named after. Is that an idea, maybe? Should we maybe bring that character back? Yeah. He sees Oturo among them, leaning on a crude wooden crutch, waving to him tiredly. <laughs> what did you be? Artist says. <laughs> yeah, that's Oturo. Hey, I'm so glad you're okay. Um, everybody, these are the stone people, as you may know. Uh, we, we came down here hoping to make some kind of deal. Maybe they could take you all in. And as he starts stumbling through this, like, opening of a negotiation, Linessa pushes her way through the row of camouflaged stone people and gracefully steps forward and puts a hand on Bellop's shoulder and says, in stone people tongue, Be my translator, won't you? Um, all right, I can do this thing for you. Yes, I'm sure you can. Linessa clears her throat. <clears> throat> and addresses the crowd of grass people. Hey guys, uh, Lanessa here. That, that's, that's pretty much what she said. <laughs> the three goons look at one another in confusion as, as the rest of the long Big River Village stare in awe at this small child translating the stone people. Uh, so... She says that uh, she's heard there's uh, some issue with rain and housing construction, and um, they have some potential solutions. So, wait, repeat that last little bit. Okay, okay. Um, so anyone who wants to go live with the stone people can. Anybody who wants to stay here is is welcome to at this like the crowd gasps and whispers roll through them in a wave even the goons themselves are 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 sort of like wh whispering to one another the the scoliosis eyebrow man is trying to whisper but nobody's looking at his eyebrows how how is this possible the blotchy faced woman says um this is never you've never said this what you've you've come many times before what what changed and uh, Bella looks around and goes, Bella sort of like is surprised by the answer. And, and, he, and he looks back at the crowd and he says, the some people say that you before didn't need or want help, that you only... You only wanted to trade and that you were happy here. 
And he, he, he looks up sort of with a confused look on his face before... What is going on here? The crowd parts like, like a sea, like, a, like the Red Sea. <laughs> the <crowd> <laughs> All their heads turning backward to look upon their prophet. Uh, Bosco is pulling up his reed pants as he's stumbling out of his hut. Karumbe following shortly behind him, sort of shaking off disgust as she <laughs> holds her chin high and smirks a tiny smirk at the fact that she was able to stop Bosco from taking part in this critical moment. Matula's mother also is following them now, uh, reuniting with Karumbe and asking in a hushed tone, like, what the fuck was that? Actually, actually, Karumbe, asks, Karumbe actually asks in, in a hushed tone, why are you still here? I thought you were going to get the villagers out. Matula's mother says, uh, yeah, bit of a complication there. And Matula's mother nods ahead to a tiny artist in Bellop standing in front of the stone people. Great Elder Bosco runs up in between his people and into the middle of this clearing. There's no, this, this guy isn't running. He hobbles as fast as he can. <laughs> hobbles as fast as he can up into the middle of the clearing, still pulling up his pants. What is the meaning of this? Did you really start negotiations without your great elder present? I ought to cut your cheeks right this minute. And he brandishes the knife. Everybody stands back. Lanessa looks surprised at the fact that he's using the knife this way, pointing it at his own people. Oturo uh, pushes through uh, a few people in the crowd and, and hobbles into the opening to join the fray. He stands beside his two boys. And he says, Helder Bosco. Bosco whirls around and stares at Oturo, furious at the mere fact that a simple adjective was left off of his title. (laughs) We are here to listen to what these two boys have to say. No, we're not. We're here to give tribute to the stone people as arranged and retrieve more wisdom and more technology in repayment. Isn't that so? And he looks at Lanessa for confirmation. Lanessa looks at Bellop and goes, tribute, And Bellop goes, tribute, And Lanessa looks really confused. Everybody looks really confused because nobody <laughs> knows what's going on. Uh, Even Sam looks really confused. <laughs> specifically me. Uh, and Great Elder tries to respond in broken stone people tongue. Shocked that this boy Bellop is able to speak it too, he says, "El uh, el culo <laughs> and it arrives at Lanessa's ears as something like, "Wait, we had a deal, no? Please, I need this." Uh, Bellop says, "Okay, um, everyone, I think there's been a." A bit of a misunderstanding. Um, everyone? And all the villagers turn to look at the little boy. And Oturo, with the strength that he has left, hoists little Bellop up onto his shoulders, wincing a little at the pain on his knee. And from his shoulders, Bellop addresses the entire crowd. Do you want to just do this? Take Bellop Sure, here. sure. Everyone, I'm, I'm sorry to inform you that your great elder Bosco has been... Stretching the truth, um, his idea of hierarchies and rules and a lot of the sort of ideas that he uh, uh, flaunted as stone people's wisdom 
doesn't actually come from the stone people. Honestly, I don't know where he came up with it. It's actually, it's actually funny. Um, uh, hierarchy is just a mis pronunciations of high Rockies from the, where they live, a high yeah, in the, call, anyway. <laughs> yeah, they call it the high Rockies because it's a place that is high and rocky. By the way, I was just there. It's really cool. Um, you should consider taking them up on their offer. Stop it. No, that's not, that is not true. The word that they said specifically was Ilkedro, right? And Lanessa just, Gently shakes her head. She she shakes her head and she goes, Ah, I see, but wait, no, uh. And as the great elder's voice pitches up ever higher and sounds <laughs> less and less like it once did in episode two, um, <laughs> he's panicking, he's looking around, he's looking at his guards, his three goons who are just... Confused and disappointed. None more and, disappointed than the blotch-faced woman who shakes her head. And none more disgusted than the scoliosis-endowed eyebrow man. And if you've ever seen true disgust on someone's face, it comes from the eyebrows. <laughs> eyebrows which are now snaking up and down, dancing as he spits insults at his formerly great elder. So, so anyway, everyone... um. The stone people have been kind enough to offer a roof and, and food as long as anyone needs it. Anyone can come, anyone who, who wants to stay or, or go in between. The, the stone people are, are willing to work with you. We, we're going to set up complicated language courses for everybody who needs it. <laughs> anybody who, who wants to learn stone speech can. And Oturo reaches up and he taps little Bellop on the knee. And Bellop looks down. And Otura says, I, for one, would love to be your student. The crowd is hesitating, of course. They're mumbling among themselves. They're looking at the great elder who's trying to salvage things. He's like grabbing people by their reed tunics and shaking them as they walk away from him. And slowly, individuals start crossing the clearing to approach the camouflaged stone people and ask them questions and poke at them <laughs> a little bit, walking up to Bellop and Lanessa and asking questions and Bellop translating the questions to Lanessa and Lanessa smiling and answering. And the small big group of people are still on the fence as well, but then Aleki pushes forward out of it, out of the group and says, I wasn't in love with this concept of rules anyway. Come on. <laughs> Joins the conversation as the stone people. Interrupting somebody's very, very <laughs> intimate conversation. Certainly. conversation. And the, the camouflage stone people are sort of dropping their stone-faced sort of warrior-like poses as well and joining in as well. And there's this cultural exchange suddenly happening. After a, an hour of late night conversations and the initial tradings of hellos in both languages between the people. A woman is taken by the hand of a young boy through the crowd. It's Matula's mother, and she's following young Artis into the crowd up to Lanessa. And Artis brings them together, and Lanessa looks up, and she knows immediately who it is. And Artis says... 
And then he looks up at Matula's mother and says, in the grass people's tongue, This is my mom. It's not at all our music, but that's okay. 